This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game. And welcome everyone to the must listen to Saturday morning sports talk show and all of Acadiana. We're talking about under the dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com, live as always from the 1037 The Game studios. You can follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome CD or on at 1037 The Game. Our account was locked out a little bit earlier, but don't worry. We are back and better than ever. Coming to you, as I mentioned, live from the 1037 The Game studios. If you're listening online, make sure you check out 1037thegame.com. Check out all the great content. We've got there for you, but hey, if you want to call us up, 337-706-0111 is the place to be. We're taking you up to LSU pregame today, and I absolutely love the fact that it is officially the big day. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf getting his jersey retired. That's going to be going on later today, definitely the big highlight of it all, but it's also a bit of a doubleheader today, kind of, sort of, because we'll have a little bit of a gap between LSU basketball and LSU baseball pregame, presumably, of course, because you've got LSU going to be starting off at 11 o'clock tip. So presumably, game wraps up around 1, 1.30. The broadcast wrap, wrap up around 1.30. We'll be to get you up to LSU pregame at 2.30. That's the plan going forward. I'll just leave it at that. But I'm just looking forward to it all the way around when it comes to what's causing all this on a Saturday morning, I can talk about the LSU game. I'll talk about that with Greg Peterson, one of our guests, at straight up 10 o'clock, along with a lot of other notable college basketball games. But I'm going to start the show a little bit different. I'm going to start the show off a little bit differently than I normally do because I want to talk about college football. Yes, it's February, but here's the thing. It's a leap year, so why not do something a little bit different and also add the fact that the Cajun schedule finally came out along with the rest of the Sun Belt yesterday, after, yesterday morning. And I gotta say, I like what I'm seeing right now. And I'll dive into what's going on with the Cajun schedule along with the LSU schedule by doing something I've been wanting to do for a good while. And that is break down all the games in 2020 briefly. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the eyeball test, the the eyeball test edition, some way too early predictions for Cajuns and LSU football. I'm probably gonna be completely wrong on these, but here's the thing. It's all for fun and games because I don't have any money on it. But I think you'd be interested just to hear what I think about the Cajuns and LSU schedule side-by-side side and give you way too early predictions. When we get closer to the start of the football season, I'll give you a more in-depth preview of each and every game. I might I'm gonna, The goal is to try and get guests for each and every one of those, every one of those opponents throughout the summer. Get those guests on to preview what's going on, and we can have them on again down the road. But that's future talk. Let's get to the here and now and talk about the future when it comes to college football. And let's start off with those raging Cajuns because their schedule came out the most recently.
All right, let's get things started off right, and I'm going to do it four games at a time. I'll, I'll do four games, and I'll just keep the story going. So first off, Cajuns hold serve against McNeese, open up the season. They'll come away with a win there. Cajuns will stave off a Wyoming team that opened up the season last year with a big win against Mizzou. We'll talk about that team later. I think the Cajuns get the win. It's at Cajun Field. And then we see the Cajuns hit the road for the first time all year and go to the ATL Atlanta where the players play in the Falcons blow a 28-3 lead, taking on the Georgia State Panthers. And that's a win for me. Closing out the first quarter of the season is Georgia Southern at Cajun Field. Which way does this game go? I'll bank on the Cajuns starting the season 4-0. You can call me an optimist, but that's where I'm at right here, right now, is the fact that I think the Cajuns start the season 4-0. Georgia Southern had an up-and-down year last year, and it just couldn't quite get right. I think the Cajuns hosting the Eagles this time it won't necessarily be as close as it was last year. We saw the Cajuns have a lot of potential, but muffed punts wound up kind of making way more of a competitive ball game. So Cajuns start the season off 4-0. Next quarter of the season, App State is a loss on paper. Remember, between now and Phil Steele, Phil Steele and Athlon, they'll come out with magazines and a lot can change, but i got to roll with the Mountaineers getting the win here against the Cajuns. So because of the fact of what we've heard, what we've talked about in the past with Alabama is proof to us that you can get a win against them and they will start picking you. You can say the same about LSU A&M in the past. You've got New Mexico State after that. I think that's going to be a win. Oh, excuse me. Before they get Coastal Carolina, that's a win for the Cajuns. New Mexico State is a win. And then Texas State is definitely a win on the road. Cajuns go to 7-1. And then the Cajuns get back home for a big coin flip game. This is one of those games where you just don't know which way you could go. Trends are being bucked. Last year, the road team won for the first time in forever between the Cajuns and the Red Wolves. So which way does this one go? In my heart of hearts, it's got to be the Raging Cajuns winning a very close one, a very hotly contested one on a Thursday night tip. I can't wait for that game. South Alabama going to be heading over to Cajun Field. I think that is definitely going to be a win. It'll be hotly contested because I think you wind up seeing things turn around for the Jaguars this year. I think they could wind up being much more improved. Will they wind up being a dominant team in the Sun Belt? I don't think so. But they'll start making baby steps instead of regressing like they have in the last few years where they've been consistently inconsistent, or as I've noticed, they've just been consistently bad. But that being said, the Cajuns are going to be eight and or excuse me, nine and one heading into the final two games of the season, which are probably one of the more crucial ones. Mizzou in November doesn't bode well for the Cajuns on paper, but here's the thing. And this is definitely a huge but is the fact that the Tigers of Mizzou are relative unknowns. There's not a whole lot you know about it. Kelly Bryant's not walking through that door anymore. You've got a lot of question marks. I think the Cajuns, despite the fact they'll be playing in November, probably in some snow, I think this is still a win for the Cajuns. And then they wrap up the season against UL Monroe, the regular season, of course, and it's going to be another hotly contested one, but i got to lean with the Cajuns here. I think the fact you've got a lot of continuity coming back, especially with Levi Lewis, Another year under his belt. You can about imagine what this guy could wind up doing going forward. He is going to be absolutely huge for the Cajuns. So in my mind, the Cajuns 11-1 and to open up the season. My way too early predictions are 11-1. and But I'm willing to say 10-2 and 9-3 and is still on the table. Some because of the fact of three games. I mentioned two of them earlier. 
App State, Arkansas State. App State feels like a loss. Arkansas State could be. It's one of those, I mentioned it, coin flip game. You don't know which way it's going to go. And then you flip over to the Mizzou game. Mizzou game is kind of a coin flip. That could be a loss for them as well. They could very well be 10-2 and for the second straight year. And here's the thing. Cajun Nation will not complain about it a lot like maybe they did complain about it in the tail end of Hudspeth years where it was those 8-4 and four for four straight years. But here's the thing. You know, when you hit, when you basically jump over the bar and then some, because I said at the beginning of the year, and I can pull back the archives of Bumper to Bumper Sports and tell you I said this outright on the show, is that the Cajuns can go 10-2. and two. Or 9-3 and three is what I said. 10-2, and two, they exceeded my expectations. I said at the beginning of the year, 9-3, and three, because Mississippi State, App State, and Arkansas State, some because of the Arkansas State game trend, has always been the road team loses. The home team will win that ball game. But that trend got obviously bucked because of a lot of, I think, the whole Blake Anderson thing, it felt blown up, uh, blown out of proportion. But lo and behold, the fact that you had him in and out of the program, that wound up hurting them a lot down the line when it comes to Arkansas State. App State, yes, they got a new head coach. But look what Eli Drinkwitz did. He managed to parlay that into a job as the head coach of Mizzou, who the Cajuns play in the penultimate game. But there's a big difference between the Mizzou Tigers that Drinkwitz inherited and what the Mount what he inherited with the Mountaineers, and he basically ran the same system. Whoever that head coach is going to be, it'll be I have a feeling, and this is just me kind of spitballing here, is that the App State job will be a lot like the Arkansas State job was about five, six years ago, where it becomes a revolving door. Remember back in the day you had guys like Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, kind of cut their teeth a little bit before moving on up to the SEC, moving up to the Conference of Dixie. So don't be surprised if the App State job, if the App State head coaching job just becomes a revolving door now that Scott Satterfield's out, Eli Drinkwitz left, Who's and that winds up making it harder to commit get players to commit to your program, but if you can say, "Hey, come to a program that wins ball games and wins conference titles," no matter who's the head coach, then we wind up talking about something very, very different. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with App State going forward with a new head coach at the helm. Uh, name off top, I can't think of. That being said, obviously we'll talk about the other team, the, the team across the basin with LSU and their schedule, which is interesting. I'm going to start off, obviously, with the San Antonio game. UTSA, I got to go with the K- the Tigers winning that one. And if I say that one, win one, win that one, like, it is one-sided. Worse than what we saw last year against Georgia Southern, which was an absolute mall-dragging, and then some really showed that maybe LSU's offense isn't like old-school, I-formation, three wide receivers, two tight ends, whatever you want to call it. Lo and behold, the offense changed last year. Now, what does it look like with Miles Brennan? We wound up seeing that a little bit here. And then comes the real big test. Week two, Texas. Tom Herman and crew heading over to Tiger Stadium. I got to lean towards LSU winning this one because, in fact, I feel like Texas will never truly be back, as the kids like to say. They will never be truly back in the saddle. They'll never be back. That, and then I think LSU wins that when they start off season 2-0, and 3-0 and after beating Rice in Houston, Texas. I, I would be surprised if they beat Rice by two touchdowns. I'll, I'll go with two touchdowns right here, right now. And then they've got Ole Miss, the Rebels. You've got you got them of Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train. What's going to happen there? What's going to happen with that program with him at the helm in the first year? 
I think you're going to wind up seeing them struggle a little bit early on in the season. So give me the Tigers getting a big win over the Ole Miss Rebels. And then going into the October 3rd game, it's after the, it's the fifth week of the season. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, fifth week of the season. Give me LSU beating Tim Rebo and the Nichols Colonels. I'd love to see Rebo pull off a huge upset, but that one feels very, very tough and almost impossible for the Colonels to climb over. Sorry, Gerald Grunick. We see LSU dominate in that one to start off the season 5-0. and And then we go to that big game in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the Florida Gators. It's always going to be one of those coin flip games. I am going to say right here, right now, LSU dominates that ball game and moves to 6-0. and I think a lot of it will have to do with the defensive performance. We've seen that defense look really good in the last few years. Bo Pelini winds up stepping his game up here. Then we got Arkansas, first year for a new head coach over there. I got to go with LSU dominating here because Arkansas just hasn't is going to continue to kind of be a struggling team. I think they'll be struggling for quite some time. Mississippi State, the the Pirate taking over at Mississippi State. This is the last game before that big bye week, that big big bye week before Alabama on November the seventh. We'll get to that game in just a sec. I got to go with. The Bulldogs losing that one. It'll be hotly contested. Maybe a 10-point ball game. LSU gets the win. Alabama, LSU, I'm not concerned about Mac Jones. LSU starts taking control of this rivalry again, winning the SEC West for a second straight year, beating the Alabama Crimson Tide and rolling all over them. And then the final three weeks are interesting because I think South Carolina's a win. And then you've got Auburn and Texas A&M. Those are coin flip games because we don't know what's going to happen between now. Is week eleven? You've got you've got Auburn second last game in Jordan Harris Stadium. They might be more focused on that big game between themselves and the Crimson Tide. Might be too focused on the Iron Bowl. This is a late game in the season. You're taking on Auburn, a team that you've been able to beat the last few years. Which Auburn team is it going to be this year for Gus Malzahn in what should be his last year as the head coach? He's saved his behind way too many times. So I think LSU wins that one. And then he beat Texas A&M because Jimbo Fisher hasn't been able to recruit nearly as well as you might expect him to considering the fact they've got all the money and, they, and they're in Texas, a fertile, fertile recruiting ground, but you got to deal with Teams like Texas, SMU, Houston, you got to deal with Baylor, you got to Texas Tech, you got to deal with so many people, including not even in state. Oklahoma's taking away players, LSU, UL. You got to deal with a lot of people in that recruiting ground. And it feels like we haven't seen Texas AM really kind of establish themselves as a recruiting superpower, if you will. That's about all I got here for this opening segment of Under the Dome with CD. And I, I've just got a lot of things on my mind, but I'm going to take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we'll talk about the NFL Combine, some news and notes. Also hear from Sean Payton and Jeff Ireland talking about what's going on with the NFL Combine. Big stories, big headlines, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom
Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game. Bang, bang. Welcome back to the program. We got Ben Creighton joining the show in about another, like, let's say, 10 minutes or so, talking some Little Rock basketball. He's part of the ESPN Plus broadcast when the Trojans are at home, and they have definitely kind of changed their fortunes for the better. So we'll talk to him about that and a whole lot more. In, let's say, 10 minutes or so. Meanwhile, we've also got Greg Peterson joining the show at straight up 10 o'clock. Talk a little college basketball. It's February 29th, tomorrow, the month of March, and that means nothing but absolute madness going to be getting underway ensuing when it comes to the college basketball tournament. And quick heads up, the next few weeks are going to be a little bit different. I'll mention this at the end of the show, but I might as well kind of bring it out again now in case you weren't listening in during last week's show in the final moments. I mentioned that I'm on a vacation next week. I'm going to be not sipping my time, just out there enjoying myself at Casa de CD and definitely kind of having a good time relaxing and recharging the batteries, if you will. So the plan is that I will be... Having a best of show, best of under the dome, will be in place of a regularly scheduled program next week. Then the week after that, I'm actually going to be in a wedding. Not getting, I'm not getting married. I'll be at a wedding in Houston, so I'll be out of town then as well. So I'm going to go ahead and have a brand new live show ready for you. And be trying getting some old friends on the program to talk about the NFL draft. We're getting that much closer to it. And here's a few kind of notable players that have participated. I'm giving you just the 40s because I feel like that's always the more interesting number. And when you look at what I think everybody's been talking about, it is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson stole the show in my book on Thursday. He pretty much set himself up for some greatness going forward just when it comes right down to it. Is he hit a 4.43. This is his official time. 4.43. You got to remember, this dude's like six foot plus and 200 pounds. This dude is a freak of nature, and hitting a 4.4440 is absolutely outstanding. That was the unofficial time. Now it's a 4.43. This is coming from NFL.com. So you got to grade out this guy's ability as being like first round. Now, if the Saints can somehow get him in that kind of fourth round. In that first round, I mean, in like the 24th pick of the draft without having to risk anything, because I got to say, his draft stock is skyrocketing. His vertical jump, 37.5, broad jump, 126.5. But everybody was talking about it, what he did in the 40. And you know, the 40 is probably one of the most crucial parts of this. Their prospect grade, according to NFL.com, is 6.41 in terms of a prospect grade. And that is going to be about will be a starter within the first two seasons of the NFL. Now, doesn't say anything about what his potential could be in terms of draft stock, but I would not be surprised 
if the Saints go that direction and get a guy like Justin Jefferson. I was kind of initially bullish on hearing some stuff from outside sources, friends of the program, listeners, but hearing the soundbite from Sean Payton kind of makes you wonder. Oh, that's a good question. Um, look, after doing the front board meeting, uh, certainly it's a, a deep draft at receiver. Um, we think a defensive back as well uh, and defensive line. And anytime I, I say that, that there's certainly uh, a, a lot of talent at the other positions. But if, if you said what stood out you know, in our meetings here last month, it, w- it would have been those positions. Hearing him bring up the wide receivers, I think that's going to be something everybody's going to key in on over the next few months because you look at what the Saints could do at number 24. I haven't looked at a mock draft in a bit, but conveniently friend of the program has come on in the past when the show was the producers, and that's Dave Burkett just dropped this from the Detroit Free Press and his mock draft, and I'm kind of pulling this up as we speak. Hopefully I can get this pulled up. 24, Justin Jefferson, when you know who won the pony, Dave Burkett, one of the many mock drafts that are out there. I'll probably get Walter football and see what he's got a little bit later on in the show and maybe over the next couple weeks try and get him on the program to talk about the NFL draft because I think it's definitely a goal to get get the guy that runs Walter football on the show. But then again, sometimes it's easier said than done, but it's pretty easy to get our next guest aboard the program. He's always loving to come on the show. Sometimes our schedule doesn't really work out, but when it comes to Little Rock basketball, there's one guy I want to talk to, and that is the man that does the play-by-play for the TV side of things. And we're talking about Ben Creighton, and we'll get to that next. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys to 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And without a doubt right now, one of the aces in college basketball, the top dogs in the Sun Belt Conference, are the Little Rock Trojans. It's a great story in general just because of the fact they practically were going from worst to first last year. They were 10-21, and 5-13 in conference play this year. They're atop the Sun Belt Conference with a really nice 20-9 and record. 14-4, and four, only a couple more games left to play before the Sun Belt Conference Tournament up in New Orleans. This might be the last year, according to some rumor in innuendo, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Right now, we got on the game hotline our guest. He is the play-by-play voice for the Little Rock Trojans on the ESPN Plus broadcast. And after all, they're in Little Rock, so why not get the guy on the line? We're talking to Ben Creighton. Ben, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Glad to be back on. Glad to be back on. I'm glad to have you back on. After all, we, we've been trying to get you back on a little bit more in the past, but things just don't necessarily work out. Is what it is. But I'm glad to have you on on today's show. Getting that much closer to March Madness, and I brought it up earlier. This is almost a worst to first type story. The last two seasons, the team had been struggling. Darrell Walker, in his second year, has really turned this program around. They're looking a lot like what they did in that miraculous 15-16 season where they want to make it into the second round of the NCAA tournament. 
under Chris Beard. What can you say about what Daryl Walker has been able to do in his second year? Well, there's no question that Little Rock is, has definitely been one of the best stories in college basketball. Like you mentioned, the, the, nobody was expecting this this season. They were picked to finish 11th in the preseason poll. Um, but the big key is that these players have really bought into what Daryl Walker was preaching during the offseason, which was team chemistry and especially defense. They really bought into def- his defensive philosophy. They're playing ex- outstanding defense right now. Not really, you know, they're still playing well defensively. You know, they've given up a couple big offensive performances as of late. But overall, when you look at the entire season, their defense has been outstanding. And, yeah, like I said before, amazing turnaround. Nobody was expecting this. And you're getting hype back in this program. You're getting excitement around this program back. And remember, this is a program who two years ago probably hit rock bottom. 25 losses, which was the most losses in a single season in program history, which, which, which led to the firing of former head coach Wes Flanagan. They brought in Daryl Walker. And like you said, in year two for the Trojans to already be elevating to this, this to being one win away from clinching the, the Sunbelt regular season title outright and having a chance to go to the NCAA tournament if they can win just two games in New Orleans, man, you got to give credit to Daryl Walker and the rest of his team for, for really buying in this season. Exactly. It's just amazing to see everything that they've been able to do, Ben. And you we bring you brought up that 2017-18 season, 7-25. and 25. One of those wins was against the Cajuns to kind of derail that perfect home record. So I, I just remember that team and the way that thing was absolute rock bottom, and it just was not great. And now seeing it where it is, and they're getting ready for that run in New Orleans, just who, what's who's one player in particular that's really made a big impact to really elevate this team to that next level we're talking about? I don't think there's any question. Uh, he's one of the guys who's one of the front runners for Sunbelt Player of the Year, and that's Marquise Noel. There's no question. Um, you know, you see the amount of plays, the crazy shots that he's made this season to win games. You saw the other night against ULM, all, probably about six of the seven three-pointers he made were not even NBA range. They were beyond NBA range. And, you know, he's really put the team on his back. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, it's down to either him or Nigel Pearson for Texas State uh, for Sunbelt Player of the Year. Um, So Marquise Noel has really elevated his game. Um, But the one thing I got to say as well, and Darrell Walker's really touched on this, yeah, Marquise Noel has really upped his game. But Daryl Walker put a big emphasis after last season in going out and getting added depth. They needed guys who can also contribute if, let's say, Marquise Noel isn't having a strong night. And you're seeing that with performances from Kamani Johnson a week ago when he had that 32-16 rebound performance against Arkansas State. Um, they've added a lot of depth on the bench as well with additions in Marco Lukic and Nikola Maric. And you just see the improvements in this team where, you know, if one guy is having a slow night, it's not just, oh, the offense is struggling. You know, they're, they're struggling to score points. And that's been a big key to success this season for, for Darrell Walker's squad is that they've gone out and they've added depth. But like I said, there's no question that Marquise Noel is one of the most exciting players to watch in the Sun Belt this season. And he brought a three-point shooting and how Mark. Keith Noel is just all over the place, sometimes just shooting from well beyond NBA three-point range. That's something I've been kind of wondering about just from like afar is 
how much three-point shooting has been affected because of a lot of the changes that have been made over the last few months. What have you noticed from like a lot of the teams Little Rock has played all year long in terms of how three-point shooting is affected because of the fact that the three-point line has been expanded? Well, like I said before, you know, doesn't matter where he is on the floor, Marquise Noel is able to pull up anywhere. We, we, we saw that in that game when he shot against ULM to begin the, the conference season. And, you know, I don't think bringing the three-point line out to the, the, the international length has really affected them whatsoever. You know, Little Rock, they're not really known as a three-point shooting team. Daryl Walker says uh, we want to be a team who's big and shy and, and wants to be bigger than, than other superior players. But that's the big thing is that because you add more size in the offseason with the additions of guys like Root Monyong and uh, you got Nicola Marich coming back and you have Kamani Johnson's really elevated his game, the Trojans are really able to spread the floor a whole lot more because when you start feeding those big guys down low and the defense has to focus on them, then you leave guys like Marquise Noel and Marco Lukic, and you also have those big guys as well that can knock down the outside jumper or the three-pointer. So, you know, the addition of size inside has really spaced the floor, like I said, for this Trojans team, and uh, that's why Marquise Noel is, is able to get, uh, especially especially him, a lot of open looks for, from downtown. Talking with Ben Creighton, the play-by-play guy for the ESPN Plus broadcast, formerly part of Fox 16 News in Arkansas. And Ben, you know, just looking at how things have gone for this Trojans team in the past, in the past few years, we talked about it earlier, like how, how, what's the vibe like in Little Rock? You brought up the hype is back with this program. How much has that been elevated over the last couple of months? Oh, it definitely has. There's no question. You know, you start to see it in the stands the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, more people are packing the Jack Stevens Center. They want to see this team. We saw it a couple of years ago when Chris Beard was still leading this program where, you know, it got to probably halfway through the Sunbelt season when, when basketball fans here in central Arkansas started to take notice of, okay, this seems to be really special. And you're seeing the same thing right now uh, with this Trojans team. You know, like I said, if they win today, then they're the Sunbelt outright regular season champs. So I would expect that there's got to be a big crowd this afternoon over at the Jackson Center when they take on the Raging Cajuns. And, um, just like I said before, you know, the last couple of years, um, you know, there, there, there were a lot of empty seats. I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of empty seats the last couple of seasons when, when you know, we went through that 25-loss season last year with Daryl Walker's first year where they only won 10 games. Um, but, again, that's a lot of credit to Daryl Walker and what he's been able to do in just his second year leading this Trojan squad. There's a lot of excitement building up around this program. And I, 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 think, I think today is probably going to be – well, we know every single year that possibly the biggest crowd of the season is when A-State comes to town, when Arkansas State comes to play Little Rock. But I'm expecting a big crowd today, too. I think on a Saturday, you got a lot of basketball fans here that want to come down to the Jack Stevens Center and see this team in this home finale possibly win a Sunbelt regular season title. Because, like I said, this is the last chance that you get to come down and, and see this Trojan squad. So there's definitely a lot of excitement building back up for this program, and, and it's really good to see a great, a great bounce-back story. The Cages are going to be taking on those Trojans in the Jack t- this afternoon, 2 o'clock. Tip, what's the big key for this ball game for the Trojans to, as you mentioned, win the title outright of the Sunbelt Conference regular season crown? 
Well, I think they got to defend the three-point shooting. You know, you saw the other night Cedric Russell going off in that second half. P.J. Hardy also with those 13 in the second half. So I think you got to find a way to slow those guys down. And, you know, Jalen Johnson has been a great addition to this uh, Louisiana squad, you know, coming in from St. Louis and, uh, you know, being the leading scorer for this racing Cajun squad. So, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's, I, I really wa- like watching him while watching the game film. So, um, you know, Daryl Walker is going to try to, to have a team figure out how to slow those guys down. And, you know, I mean, I know it's been hard for, for Louisiana, you know, with all the injuries that they've had this season. I, I read somewhere that injuries have cost players a combined 91 games this season, which has just been, wow, that's, I mean, that's just an unbelievable number. And, it's, you know, they're dealing with that bad luck right now, injury-wise. But, you know, I look at guys like Jalen Johnson and, uh, and Cedric Russell especially, and, uh, you know, you, you got Little Rock has to find a way to slow those guys down this afternoon. Not a doubt in my mind, Ben, talking right now, Ben Creighton, play-by-play for the ESPN Plus broadcast of Little Rock men's basketball. For what it's worth, that's the broadcast you'll be hearing when you watch the game later on this afternoon. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, former sports anchor at Fox 16. Now you're focusing on play-by-play full-time. What's it been like transitioning from the daily grind of anchoring and reporting sports to focusing solely on play-by-play? Well, uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed my time in local news. There's no question about that. You know. Looks like we lost Ben Creighton, is what it is. Was able to kind of have a good conversation with him. Going to probably talk to him off air. It looks like we had some technical issues. We'll try and get those fixed just b- before we come back from this next segment. Wrap up hour number one in style then we get ready to talk with greg peterson to start off hour two and then wrap up the program with a little bit more fun just stuff again appreciate ben creighton joining the program i'll talk about that game a little bit more in depth in the future of cajuns basketball because i think a lot of people want to say it's time to get rid of the big fish i disagree i'll get to that a little bit later in the program but coming up next I'll talk about what's causing all this in the world of college basketball. We'll be back after this on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Every time CD takes the mic, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, live from the 103.7 The Game studios. Getting ready to wrap up our number one in style. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation myself and Ben Creighton had over the last like few minutes because, man, it was just a ton of fun. Wish I was able to get the full answer of him, mentioning how much he, the transition, because it's always just interesting to hear people's perspective on this thing in particular is transitioning from one field to another. It might be relatively the same, but you're kind of dealing with a different kind of monster at the end of the day. So hearing him, I wish I had more time to talk to him about that, but, you know, it is what it is. Things happen. It's been a weird week in terms of just how things have been over here inside the 1037 Game Studios, having some tech issues, but it looks like we may may be fixing those as we speak. But I saw this pop up just a little while ago, so I'm going to bring it up right now and blow your mind. Because I, I came back with Ja Rule for a reason. Because I, 
I'm subscribed to way too many newsletters, and one of those is some, uh, Morning Brew, and I wound up seeing this, and I was I just had to laugh, is that it's apparently Ja Rule's birthday. He turns 44 years old today, but of course, with the fact that he was born on leap year, he's actually 11 in terms of, because he can't celebrate his birthday technically, because February 29th comes every four years. It's kind of cool, but I was, I was just blown away by that factoid here on this Saturday morning, among other things that I've been seeing online over the last few hours. Of course, everything concerning coronavirus and all the other stuff that's going on. But I also saw this pop up a little bit earlier. I'll talk about college baseball in a few minutes. But I saw this question pop up on Twitter, and it is, what TV show has never declined in quality? There's a lot of great responses to this. But my response is this, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. You can hit me up on Twitter, at ClanDoming, at UnderTheDomeCD, at 1037Game. And my pick, I think, will always be King of the Hill. I think there's been a show where they've had like maybe like one or two bad episodes, but for the most part, it's like season by season. There's not a bad bad egg in between. There's really like strong seasons from beginning to end, and the final episode is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't watched like much of King of the Hill episodes, just go binge watch it, and you'll realize what I'm talking about. But before I kind of get ahead of myself, I need to get to what's going on in the world of baseball. And we'll do that right now because we're rounding the bases, baby. We're bringing it back after kind of a week away. The grind of baseball season is a long one. And the famous CD isn't afraid of rounding the bases on a Saturday morning. Time to play ball and touch them all right here on 103.7 The Game. LSU baseball had a wild one last night against the Texas Longhorns. They didn't catch a good bit of it last night after Bumper to Bumper Sports wrapped up here on Acadiana Sports Station, and I was blown away by everything that I saw in the final moments of that ball game. Daniel Cabrera, two-run jack, seals the deal. Tigers win. Tigers win. Four to three over the Longhorns, meaning that LSU has beaten Texas in football, in basketball, and baseball. I think LSU softball and Texas softball are playing each other soon. I'll look it up and figure it out. But still, the point stands. LSU is Texas's daddy right about now, and it is absolutely fantastic. Look at some of the other games. The Louisiana Ranger Cajuns, Sam Houston State had a hotly contested matchup, and the Cajuns fell extra innings to the Bearcats. Matt Diggs, former team that he coached for five years, the Sam Houston State wins five to four extra innings with two outs, bases loaded, a wild pitch scooted past. The Cajuns catcher, and that gave Sam Houston State a 5-4 win. And it just was not exactly the best performance in the world. Mad Dex probably very frustrated with this team. 2-8 on the year. And it was just not the way you want things to go after. Kind of starting off really strong, getting things done, getting on the board early. And taking the lead with Brennan Bro hitting an RBI double to left center field. His first start since February 19th against Tulane. Again, Cages lose 5-4. Game 2 of that series, 2 o'clock. First pitch over at the Teague. First three weekends at the Teague haven't been great. The home field advantage hasn't really been there for them. Hopefully, they can start turning things around because it's just it's starting to spiral just a wee bit. That being said, you've got some other games going on in the Shriners College Classic. Baylor beats Mizzou. 4-2, Mueller, pair of home runs late in that ball game in the final third of the game. 
They seal the deal. And then 22nd-ranked Oklahoma, the game that came before LSU, 22nd-ranked Oklahoma upsets 6th-ranked Arkansas. Huge 7th inning by the Sooners. The difference in that contest, I believe it was a 4-run inning there. But that was about all she wrote for some of the big college baseball games. It's a weird weekend. Once we get to SEC play and once we get to baseball season, especially for the pros, I'll have a lot more to talk about. But I want to get to something else in particular. And that is the Astros for a quick moment. We're not talking about banging on trash cans. We're talking about an actual game that happened yesterday. The Astros took down the Marlins 6-4 in their in that game. And you also had Zach Grinke actually perform play last night. And here's kind of his reaction to his performance and his spring debut. Kind of just trying to throw everything in different locations. Felt pretty good. Wasn't. Wasn't a mid-season form or anything, but uh, command needs to get a little bit better and pitches a little more consistent. Just thrilling words right there. Might as well hear from Dusty Baker as well, talking about Grinky's effective start in his spring debut yesterday. Same Grinky. I mean, he can pitch. I mean, everybody's worried about him not in camp and stuff. So that shows you that he's been he's been working, and uh, you know, he came he came to camp ready. He came to play, and I absolutely love hearing that from the skipper. He took the took that toothpick out of his mouth for a quick minute, but I gotta say, still really, really pleased with a lot of stuff I saw yesterday on the baseball diamond, and just that highlight of Arkansas beating Oklahoma, beating Arkansas, Arkansas, a highly competitive team in the past, losing that one, big surprise there. But outside that, relatively samey type performance nothing really big happening yesterday just really kind of same old same old only other really highlight game with was Florida Atlantic losing to Texas Tech 7-1 fifth ranked Red Raiders roll in that one East Carolina dropped one to Indiana the Hoosiers win 11-5 over 21st ranked East Carolina those Pirates not looking too great in that one only other really notable ranked matchup number one Florida almost lost to Detroit Trojans 3-2, to two, your, your final in that contest. All right, hour one is in the books. We'll come back. Hour number two is right around the corner. It's all with Greg Peterson. It's a abbreviated third out, second hour, a truncated second hour because of the fact that we've got LSU basketball tipping off at 11 o'clock pregame, 1030. And don't forget LSU baseball as well. Sort of a doubleheader, if you will. I'm out. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. We got Greg Peterson next on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. And get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. 
And welcome back to hour number two, a truncated hour number two of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We are live, as always, broadcasting from the 1037 The Game studios. Hopefully you have a great Saturday morning so far. And right now, we are just a couple weeks away. Next week, I'll be off a little bit of a best of show. And we got college basketball going to be wrapping up next weekend. And then the following week, it'll be conference championship tournaments. So why not get a look at the landscape heading into the final day of February and leading into the madness that is March with our guy Greg Peterson. He's on the game hotline right now. Greg Peterson, part of VSIN, also the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast, and so much more. Just in general, a college basketball guru. We have him on infrequently, I would say, compared to what we had him last year almost every single week. But, Greg, how's it going, man? Always great to be joining you guys. Thank you. I appreciate you joining the program, and man, just it's been a wild last few weeks for the LSU Tigers. I'm going to start off right there because I think that's just, without a doubt, what everybody is talking about over here in these parts. LSU has been struggling down the stretch right now. I mean, you saw what happened on Wednesday night against the Florida Gators, a game that it felt like LSU could not afford to lose, and now they're getting ready for another big game later on in about another hour with LSU hosting Texas A&M, what can you say about LSU and the struggles they've had as of late? It's one of these things where the big thing is is that the defense has not been there for the team. Offense has been fighting awesome. There's now I recognize that Florida wasn't necessarily the best game for them, but they are giving up right now 75-plus points on the regular. Big thing for the team is just being able to force a couple turnovers in that game against Florida. They just did an absolutely awful job of it last year. That was a little bit of a hallmark with Tremont Waters and company doing all that they were able to do. I think that they need to cause a little bit more defensive pressure, get into those passing lanes, and try to use their defense to set up their offense to try to force those turnovers because that will lead to a little bit more stability and still give them their pace in the game as a result. And looking at one of the other matchups that kind of caught my eye over the last weekend was San Diego State, the mighty half-fallen. They lost their undefeated streak. In a one hell of a ball game last Saturday, was able to catch a tail end of that. But my question to you, Greg, is this: Where does that put them? That loss does that affect their standing when it comes to the seeding in your mind? This is a, one of those games which I think that almost every loss is going to affect their seeding. No doubt, they hurt themselves a little bit with that game. But I do think that LSU and so many other teams are going to have such a good opportunity to improve it. Obviously, LSU going up against Texas A&M on Saturday. And then you got the SEC tournament, which all these teams, they're going to be going at. And then with San Diego State, what you've got is a team that's probably going to be a two-seed now. When you take a look at San Diego State, this is a bunch that they have been playing a little bit lesser recently. That game against Colorado State, they were going to pull out, and then they lose that game to UNLV. But keep in mind, this is still just a one-loss team as well. And I do think that they're probably flying themselves in for a two-seed, which might be better for them because now you don't have the burden of having to try to go undefeated for the season. And they're probably going to be able to flop themselves into the Western region if they wind up winning all the rest of their games and getting that two-seed. Talk right now with Greg Peterson, host of the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast, also a part of VSIN. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to college basketball. So let's flip it on over to some of the big games coming up today and there's a lot of 11 a.m. games with a lot of intrigue and the biggest one I feel like during this early tip-off games is what's going on Penn State Iowa two ranked teams what do you say about this matchup and who has the edge in your mind 
I think that this is from what you've got to be taking a look at Iowa because with the Hawkeyes, this bunch wound up losing the last time these two teams played. Keep in mind, that was a game that was played out there in the Palestra. And with Iowa, you've got a player that I think might be up for player of the year in Luke Garza. What I love about this team with him is that he gives the team 13 and a half points, does a solid job shooting 38% from three, right around nine rebounds. With Penn State, they've been without Marion Jones. Team's main facilitator gives out three assists per game. He's able to bury a lot of threes. Without him, Iowa, I think, has better ball movement. This is an Iowa team that has won the best in the country with regards to assist to turnover ratio. And they've been doing a little bit of a, I guess you'd call it, hit or miss job on defense, but the offense, it has been there for this team, at least 77 points for the team's last five games. Talk right now with Greg Peterson of VEASAN, also part of the Hoobin' with Hoops podcast. And let's move it on over to one of the other notable games. This is going on in the Big 12. It's the in-state rivalry, Texas, Texas Tech, and the 22nd-ranked Red Raiders have been looking good. What's an early look at this matchup? This is a spot which I'm going to be taking a look at Texas Tech with the Red Raiders. What you like about this team is the fact that Davide Moretti has been able to do a solid job shooting from three-point range. You've also got a bunch of other guys like your Terrence Shannon's and company. They've been able to step up for the team with Texas. Oh, man, who knows what's going to be happening with that coaching job because now you've got John Beeline, who might be out in the open market. I think that this might be the end for him. Now, I do recognize the fact that Texas has actually played a little bit of better basketball. Maybe you can take the angle that this is a bunch that they are playing for their head coach at this point, but I just have a tough time being able to get behind Texas in this spot because with the red, with the Longhorn, this is a bunch that with regards to rebound race, they're one of the worst teams among the power five in all of college basketball. I think that Texas Tech, a team that's a little bit undersized, they're still going to be able to feast on that. Guys like TJ Holyfield and company are going to be able to come through. This is the spot where I've got to be looking at Red Raiders. I'd have to agree with you. And sticking with the Big 12 for a minute, this is going to be a 12-30 ball game. Kansas, Kansas State, I think this definitely holds a lot of intrigue for those who love seeing these in-state rivalries in the penultimate week of the regular season. Which way you lean on this one? Got to be looking at Kansas, no doubt about it. I mean, Kansas State, they've won nine games so far this year. This team has been absolutely awful. Now, I do think that they could rise up and maybe give a little bit of resistance, but this team is turning the ball over left and right. Last weekend when they hit the, when they played and they wanted to play against Texas, they got lambasted. In that game, you don't have a lockdown low. You don't, as Buki, she just completely feast on this Kansas State team. I mean, it's just really one of these situations in which the mighty have fallen for Kansas State. This is a bunch out a few years ago. Was making it to the Elite Eight. Now they're going to be struggling just to get to 12 wins for the year. All right, now let's get to what everybody's looking forward to here in the Acadian area, and that involves Texas A&M LSU. Once again, 11 o'clock tip. You'll hear it right here on 103.7 The Game. Pre-game show going to be at 10.30. What can you say about the Aggies and the Tigers matchup. It's going to be a really fun event in general just because of the fact they're retiring. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, formerly known as Chris Jackson's jersey, later on today. But what do you say about this matchup that's actually going to be going down on the hardwood? This is a game which I think LSU is going to be able to get right. With Texas A&M, they haven't been good on glass. They haven't necessarily been bearing shots. I do recognize that over the weekend against Mississippi State, they had a very good offensive performance, but we saw them struggle against Kentucky. Despite the fact that they buried 10 threes and they were on fire, they still wind up losing that game. With LSU, I think this is obviously going to be a spot in which they can improve that defense. I was mentioning it a little bit earlier. I think that this is a prime spot for them against a 
star fandom of Texas A&M, and let's face it, Wendell Mitchell is starting to play a little bit better for this team, but it's still not very good. This is a spot in which I'm just going to be taking a look at LSU, and I think they should be able to win this game and win this game comfortably. This is probably your Saturday main event when it comes to big-name matchups. Kentucky taking on Auburn, fourth, excuse me, eight-ranked Kentucky and 15th-ranked Auburn facing off. Where do you see this one going? I think that Kentucky should be able to take this one. Obviously, a revenge spot when these two teams played a few weeks ago. It was Kentucky that wound up losing on the road against Auburn. This is an Auburn bunch that they've been living with so many different lives, it feels like, at this point, because they wind up pulling that game off against Tennessee. They rallied late so many times, a double overtime game against Ole Miss a few weeks ago. I think the luck runs out here. I do recognize that Kentucky is a little bit of a banged-up bunch, but this is a game in which I do think that it is going to be Kentucky being able to take it with Nate Zacina, E.J. Montgomery, and Nick Richards, all those guys. A trio that combines for 20 rebounds per game, just being able to dominate. And Emmanuel quickly, now shooting over 40% from three-point range. Sorry now, Greg Peterson, VSIN, and Hooping with Hoops podcast. Let's flip it on over to the Big Ten. This is a Sunday matchup. Michigan, Ohio State squaring off. Both teams ranked with the Wolverines 19th and the Ohio State ranked 23rd. Where do you see this one? I think that Ohio State should have a very good shot of being able to play well in this game. I mean, it's been very interesting to just watch this Buckeyes team in general because at one spot, they or at one point, it looked like they were going to be the number one team in the country. They have really scuffled on the road. But with that said, this is a Big Ten that has been toppy speed turvy all year long. We are seeing so many shakeups. We saw Maryland wind up taking down Michigan State a few weeks ago. They're going to have their rematch on Saturday. But getting back to this Ohio State game, I think that this is a spot in which the Buckeyes should be able to get the job done against Michigan. And the big key for Michigan is a healthy Isaiah Livers because – we saw him in that game against Wisconsin a few days ago. He only scored nine points in that game. This is completely different when he's 100% and when he is not. But this is a spot in which I do think that Ohio State should be able to get the job done. All right, Greg, one more for you. It's definitely more nationwide type of thing. You talked about earlier, you talked about playing for their coaches. Who's one team that their head coaches is absolutely on the hot seat headed to the second to last week of the season? Oh, that'd be shocking smart. No if, answer buts about it. That was what I was talking about a few minutes ago because now John Beeline is going to be a free agent. I've got to think that the folks out there in Austin are going to be looking to make a coaching change. So no question, he's probably on the hot seat. Danny Manning over at Wake Forest. Perhaps he's saving himself a little bit because that Duke win was big, but things have not necessarily been great there. I do think that with having so many new coaches in the SEC, a school like a Vanderbilt who – is in the first year of Jerry Sackhouse. I think that they found their guy. They just need to get a healthy complement of players. And in all honesty, I don't know if there's going to be really a single coach in the SEC that is necessarily on the hot seat. So the biggest one, I would have to say, shock is smart over there with Texas. All right, Greg. Thank you so much for coming on, my man, especially all season long. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you down the road. We'll try and get, get in touch with you around March Madness. We'll see if we can go on and get our schedules to sync up in that end. Always a pleasure, you guys. Thank you. All right, that was Greg Peterson of VSIN. You can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. As always, appreciate him joining the program. And we got just a little bit more time left before we wrap up Saturday's show. Get you up to LSU pregame against Texas A&M. Chris Blair and John Brady on the call, as always. It'll be a great time. The penultimate week of the season. 
in the third to last game of this Tiger season, which has just been topsy turvy, especially when you just look at how things started off a conference play eight and zero. They had ten straight wins, including a really nice win against that Texas Longhorns team that maybe not necessarily doesn't matter nearly as much as it did in the past. But Will Wade and crew looking to kind of bounce back from that tough loss against Florida, where they were just outclassed from Jump Street. So hopefully we see that happen, and LSU can kind of set themselves set themselves up nicely ahead of the SEC tournament in a couple weeks' time over in Nashville. We're going to go ahead and take a quick time now, come back, wrap up the show in a nice little bow with one final take. And I'll be back with you next right here on 103.7 The Game on 103.7thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome. Back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037 com, And we're kicking it, getting ready for a great weekend, I'd say, because, man, we got so many things to just talk about and get down to what's causing all this. So many different things to kind of break down. And, of course, we can talk about the Underwear Olympics, talked about that a little bit earlier. Appreciate Big Creighton, Greg Peterson coming on. College basketball was definitely a big thing on the docket, of course. LSU baseball, you'll be hearing that right after. LSU and Texas A&M tussle inside of the PMAC. If only there was another T in there, we could have wound up having a whole lot of great alliteration. So hopefully you enjoyed what we brought to the table over the course of the last hour and a half. We got another few minutes left before we wrap up the show, and I'm looking forward to doing it like we always do. But before I get to that, in case you missed last week's show, I kind of brought this up on the airways, and it was the fact that I'm going to be on vacation next week. I'll be out of town. I mean, not out of town. I'll be at my house kind of just sipping my ties at Casa de the famous CD, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy not having me here. I'll still be on the air, though. have a special best of edition on tap. I've already got the guest list, of the list of guests we've run through already. I think without a doubt, you'll hear from Ross Jackson right after the season ended. I can't wait to kind of have a conversation to hear back the conversation we had because that was a straight half hour of absolute flames it was straight fuego and it was just an absolutely awesome time to hang out and talk to him about some saints football after a disheartening loss to the to the minnesota vikings it was the cincinnati Bengals. i'm thinking about the nfl draft and of course we've got beth Rina, the head coach of lsu softball frank wilson new head coach at mcneese state we're going to rerun that interview again John Chef, we had him on last week. All these interviews, we're going to rerun for you. And I'm rerun them simply because of the fact that I loved doing it. It was one of my favorite parts of the last like couple months. Because I don't normally try and shoot my shot. I've, already, I've admitted many times I want to shoot my shot with a lot of great guests, but it just doesn't ever necessarily work out in the long run. These guys usually just completely ignore me. I mean, full disclosure, I tried shooting my shot and getting Matt Miller of a bleach report to kind of talk about the NFL draft combine, everything that he was able to observe didn't get back to me is what it is, but I'm looking forward to just seeing what's going to happen in a couple weeks. When I officially come back fully is on the 14th, I'm going to have a show in the can for him, have a show ready to go pre-taped. I'll be in Houston, not banging on trash cans, but I'll be spending a good time in Houston. One of my cousins is getting married. So 
Going to go hang out over there and pass a good time now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. But again, next week on vacay, so I will be AFK, and more importantly, it'll be a best of UTD under the dome with CD. And trust me, it's all going to be great. And we're going to also have something that we do each and every day to wrap up the show. That is one last take. I'm going to do that as we wrap up the show next week as well. So don't worry. You'll still get that in your life. And I think that's always just one of the more entertaining parts of the show is me breaking down something and going down one more topic before heading on out of here. And I've talked a lot about a lot of things that I would love to get to here, but I'm going to stick with the world of college basketball to wrap up the show. And I had Greg Peterson on just a little while ago. He mentioned Shaka Smart being on the hot seat and probably being out the door before too long. Well, I'm going to get to that right now about one person in particular who I don't think is on the hot seat and shouldn't be on the hot seat. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. When it comes to the conversation about Cajuns basketball head coach Bob Marlin, and I've been seeing a lot of it since last year, in fact, of the the big fish needs to go type of talk. And you know what? I'll say this. Nothing but respect for big game Bob and what he's been able to do for this program in the past. And, yes, he hasn't been able to kind of get things done and be able to get over that proverbial hump. But there's just a couple things that I'll plug in there. The first of which is the fact that this year wasn't expected to be that kind of year for the Cajuns. A lot of injuries. One of the more crucial injuries in my mind was Kobe Julian. Losing him before conference play was a lot like last year. Losing Malik Marchetti. That took a big score out of your team, and that hurt you a lot down the road. Yes, they won on Wednesday against UL Monroe later today. They're taking on the top dogs in the Little Rock Trojans. So this could be a, this is a game that could go either. This is a game where the Cajuns aren't projected by anybody really to make that big splash and make a big impact. So to me, right here, right now, the Louisiana Raging Cages head coach, Bob Marlin, he's going to be staying into the next year. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the injuries have a lot to do with what's causing all this. You look at the Louisiana Raging Cages on the women's side of things. You look at Cajuns women's hoops last year. A lot of injuries, a lot of people saying maybe it was time to move on from head coach Gary Broadhead. I may have been somebody who definitely believed that sentiment as well, but look at him now. Look at what he was able to do in the Sunbelt Conference this year. They were the absolute worst last year, down 9-6 and six in conference play, 16-10 and 10 overall, healthy, a lot of key players back, a lot of key cogs there. So at the end of the day, you know, people who are going to be hitting the panic switch, and sometimes people hit the panic switch, Way, 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 way too early. And I think at the end of the day, in this situation, a wait-and-see approach is what's best for business. Do not get rid of the big fish because I think he's been able to kind of get some solid guys from recruiting, and he's going to have these guys back healthy. Hopefully, and the key word is hopefully, Kobe Julian will be back 100% because, you know, you go through multiple knee surgeries on both knees. That doesn't spell great for your future career. But hopefully we see him bounce back before long and we see this Cajuns program 
continue to escalate and go up and up and up and up. But it's going to take some time. And patience, I think, is going to be necessary. Now, if he falls under that bar again and you don't have the injuries as an excuse, then the conversation gets louder and louder about getting rid of Bob Marlin and sending him off down the trail. I love Bob, but I think one more year might be where his limit is unless he has a big, big performance next season. Because, again, a lot of it has to do with the injuries have hurt him severely, limited him. And out of fact, you had to suspend a couple guys indefinitely. Tyrus Smith, the latest in that list, injuries on top of injuries on top of injuries, and that has definitely not helped matters. But on that note, I am done. Have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. I'll be back with you in two weeks' time with a brand-new episode. Next week will be a special Best of Under the Dome edition. So just keep it locked right here, 103.7 The Game. LSU basketball coming up in just a couple of minutes. Pre-game show with Chris Blair and John Brady. We also got LSU baseball taking on the Baylor Bears. Pre-game at 2.30, first pitch at 3. It's a doubleheader, kind of, sort of, right here on 103.7 The Game. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.